0: This is Rob Tever for Boxing Social. Delighted, as always, to be joined by Mr. Eddie Hearn. We're here in Riyadh. It's the morning after the night before Anthony Joshua regains the unified heavyweight titles against Andy Ruiz. How are you doing, Eddie?
1: I've just, it's just hit me, Rob. I was like, I've been buzzing. Uh, very little sleep last night and uh, just buzzing around here all day. And I just went back to the room and I just laid on the bed for 10 minutes. And I remembered i had to come and see you. And... <laughs> I was just shattered. I'm shattered now, but, you know, unbelievable emotions over the last 24 hours. Firstly, with the rain, like, apparently it hasn't rained on a Saturday in Riyadh for seven years, and um, just, you know, obviously, hoping that the show went as well as it did, and then, most importantly, AJ getting a victory. So getting that amazing feeling, I'm so happy for him, and the team, and all the work that's been put in, and, onwards and upwards, back to work, fly home tonight, first Spanish show on Thursday in Barcelona. So, you know, you can't start walking around thinking you're the dog's bollocks. You've got to get back to work and that's what we'll be doing.
0: Just on the rain, um, was there any contingency plans? Because there was like one or two moments of potentially the show being postponed.
1: Was that ever an option? I saw that. I think The Sun put that out, that it was going to be... uh, postponed till January 2020 <laughs> I was like, I saw it and Kevin Ioli reported it as well saying, oh, I've heard the show could be no, not at all the The rain's never really an issue, it's more the wind because the screens hang from a, you know, from the they're not in structure, so they hang, so if the wind starts going high then they'd probably look to I don't know, evacuate the stadium, but it was never a thunder, a lightning is also an issue, but that was always like 20 miles away or so, so but it sort of stopped, start stopped, start managed to stop for the main event and uh, by then everyone was loving it anyway. So, yeah, that was just something else to overcome. But I was just, I was so moon with, with how the show went.
0: Before we come on to the actual boxing, let's talk a little bit about the crowd. First time for me in Saudi Arabia didn't come to the World Boxing Super Series. I was pleasantly surprised with yeah. the atmosphere last night. I think it was, um, it was slightly different but it, there was a good atmosphere. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, I thought the, um, the undercar, I, I, I think that the undercard uh, atmosphere was a little bit less than normal. Um, I found that quite a lot lately. Like, when you do a, a big pay-per-view event, it really builds and builds and builds. And I thought the main event atmosphere was fantastic. I mean, what? I mean, people aren't eight pints deep singing Sweet Caroline, but they're here, there to have a good time, and they, they were there to embrace a really important moment. And you have to think, last night, there was 15,000 people there, 4,000 Brits? So you know, 11,000 locals or, you know, or other international fans. So that's, that's fantastic because normally it's just us mad Brits that make all the noise. So I was really happy with the atmosphere. I thought it was a historic night and I felt like it was a night that I think people will never forget. And that's what I said going into this, this occasion was it's not the O2, it's not Millennium Stadium. This is actually a historic moment that, you know, I think you'll remember that when AJ won the, Re- reclaim the world titles in the Middle East you know so it's a one-off extravaganza
0: where does last night sit in kind of your hi- your history your career as a promoter it must be right up there
1: yeah I mean firstly in terms of the event it was like nothing we've ever done before so I feel like the event was the biggest thing I've ever done as a promoter so far the win was just personally sweet people were saying to me or you know last couple of weeks oh do you think it's uh, oh you might have asked mm-hmm. the question as well it's, it, you know, if, if, you lo- if AJ loses you know, how does that affect Matrim and blah 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 and I said it's, if he loses it doesn't really affect us but if he wins like where we are and where he is he's just on another level and that's really what happened last night you know you've got a guy who um, is, was questioned was a superstar was still a superstar but now just goes to almost like global icon in Anthony Joshua and obviously we represent him and it puts us in a great position as well, because there were a lot of people that didn't think he'd win. Broadcasters and, you know, fans and media. And now it's like, oh, mate, oh, yeah, can we talk on Monday? You know, like, so he's, he's the top boy again. Let's talk about the fight. Um, you mentioned it there, a lot of media, a lot
0: of fans were, were very doubtful whether or not coming straight off the back of the, the night in New York, Anthony Joshua could Boxed to that kind of game plan for 12 rounds. How impressed were you with not only
1: his performance but his discipline that he showed throughout? All, all, all of it. I thought it was at, I mean, I, I have to be honest, I wasn't sure that he could put a performance like that together. I actually thought to myself, I want to see him stop Ruiz because I don't want to, him to have to do that for 12 rounds because it's so difficult to do. Especially when he's just dying to knock Ruiz out or try to knock Ruiz out. And you saw him a couple of times, like I was obviously up close, and he'd sort of ping him with one and Ruiz's legs would just slightly buckle, and he'd just jump in I'd no it was like me and Rob get back to your jab just no, stick to the game plan and the discipline that he showed but it's not just the discipline it was the feet for me like the way that he moved in and out of range making Ruiz miss non-stop and you've got to remember he's a novice I keep saying this he's had 24 fights like he's still learning and he's getting so much better and he will get so much better I, I feel like he's at kind of 60-70% of where he's going to get to So And last night was massive because no one really thought he could do that. No one thought he could do that. And it was tough for him because it's not really his style. But being able to be as versatile as that is really impressive. I thought it was a masterclass.
0: I'd said all week and I'd spoken to Adam Smith in particular that if Anthony was to box on the back foot, it was still important for him to to really make a dent on Andy Ruiz early in the fight. He did that with a right hand in the first round. How important was that as the fight played out?
1: He had to do that because... Yeah, it's all very well now, Andy saying, oh, you know, I I wasn't disciplined enough in camp. Like, Andy's uh, a gutsy fighter who you saw in New York, like, he really wants to win. He got his heart broken. He got outboxed. He got stung. And he just, he just lost, you know, after four, five, six rounds where he just couldn't do it. And he... Psychologically, what AJ done was completely mesmerise him last night. It's actually, you know, you saw Fury do it with Klitschko. I don't think that was as uh, as, as an exciting performance as AJ's, personally. But he mesmerised. Like, he just he just done his editing. And in the end, Klitschko just got frustrated. Ruiz got frustrated. And then before you know that, it's round seven, eight, nine, ten. Then you've got two rounds to go. And then you've got the guy standing in the ring in the middle of the last round going, Come on. It's like, no thanks, mate. We've, we've already scored you. So, um... Yeah, you know, I just think he was too good for him. Like, like, like on um, in June, Ruiz was the better man on the night. Loads of excuses I can give you, but what's the point? We ain't, you know, AJ's never given one excuse for June first, and he's not. He, you know, he won't do that. It's not his type of thing. So I, I would have preferred Ruiz to sit there last night and gone. Probably should have been more disciplined out of camp, but respect to him, he schooled me, and I'll be back.
0: Explain to me if you can the feelings that you felt at the final bell after yeah, thought, the
1: twelfth yeah. round. Yeah. <laughs> Well, after the first round, I loved the first round. I was like, that couldn't have gone any better. Because like you said, he stung him, and he, he used a jab, he schooled him. And then after three rounds, I'm thinking, bloody hell. And then after five rounds, I'm thinking, oh. And then I think sixth round, he got caught one on the back of the head at the end of the bell. I was like, oh shit, hopefully he just back to you again. And then after about eight or nine rounds, I'm thinking, I think I've given Ruiz one round. Am I right here? Like I just wanna make sure that so I went over to Sky and I said, How hey, you guys got it? And Bellew and I think someone else's car was just basically I just saw the tens and like one nine. I thought, oh great. And then ten, eleven, twelve went really quickly. I was and I thought Reese is really gonna go for it. But by then he was just he was mentally done. You know, he'd almost given up because he just he just couldn't get inside. Josh's feet were too good for him. And um the twelfth round was just just I actually, for the first time ever, I put my timer on, my phone, it's quite sad, really. And I was just like, oh, I was going, 42 seconds, 30, I don't know, for one, some reason, rather than waiting for it for 30, I was going, 34 seconds, probably thinking, 34 seconds. And um, when, it, when the bell went, and then when you hear the, you know, I was just thinking, and he went like this, I went, no, because I know when you do that to Josh, he'll go, come like, come on, and I was just going, move, move. And um, when the bell went, but still like, I still wanted to wait for the decision because you see some like you know we've seen so many strange cards lately i was thinking don't don't do us like this and uh yeah we got he got the uh he got the win it was it's just beautiful
0: what's next ibf mandatory seems to be kind of the the general feeling around here it's gonna be kubrat pulev back
1: home tottenham Hotspur stadium has been mentioned is that the most realistic proposition it's definitely an option i mean you know it's kind of nice not having the belts because you don't have all the aggravation that goes with it. I think AJ felt that before, but now he's sort of regained that hunger. Um, They'll all be out like vultures, mate, you know. IBF, Pulev, Usyk, anyone else. He won't want to give a belt up, but he will do, if he has to. Um, But I feel like what we need to do is really establish who's first. You know, so if historically the IBF is first... Then he'll fight Pulev first. Then he'll fight Usik. and maybe Usyk will fight Chizora in February or March. And then the winner will fight AJ, or the winner will fight the winner of AJ uh, Pulev, something like that. So, to be honest, like I was just walking over here now, thinking, "Oh fuck, gotta to get to work on this tomorrow because it's, it's pressing." You know, like I said, everyone will be on it. He's got to look at physically how he is. A few niggles, knuckle and elbow. Get them assessed. Nothing major but just see when he's ready to go back to camp because, you know, it comes round quite quickly. You mentioned he wouldn't ideally like to
0: give up a belt, but if the IBF called a mandatory first and the WBO belt potentially becomes into a position where he has to give up, is that the more likely of the two belts for him to give up? People are talking about Usyk Chisora for the vacant belt. I actually asked Derek about that this week. Yeah. He was very, very tight-lipped on it. Yeah,
1: yeah I think Usyk Chisora's got a great chance happening, but I think Chizora's a bit far down the rankings for that to be for a vacant belt. I think, actually... In a twist, it could be Usyk v Parker for the vacant belt. But it's quite unusual for a governing body not to accept that someone else is first because there's a rotation system. So you kind of have to honor that, I think. You can't just say, no, we're not going to abide by that rotation system. But I've got a call with the governing bodies tomorrow to see, you know, all we'll say is, look, who goes first, can we just decide? As it stands in terms of the timeframes that we've been given for both, the IBF at first but it's, it'll be impossible to keep to both time frames if we do the IBF first because Joshua only genu- gen- generally boxes twice a year
0: Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder February the 22nd I mean by all intents and purposes that's a done deal from what people are saying would it be possible for that to be AJ's next fight would a, would a unification be a next fight or is it going to be a no, mandatory and no, then that come in
1: later probably in April or something like that and don't forget Fury Wilder have got a third fight you Know contracted in as well, so we've been there a million times. He, AJ will fight everybody in the division, you know. He's proved that already his resume is unbelievable. Um, tired of talking about you know Wilder because you know I think people eventually found out that they didn't actually want the fight, but we've been there a hundred times, a thousand times, so we'll see what happens in their fight. And AJ's more than ready for the winner,
0: you know. Well, presuming that. Tyson Fury come, if Tyson Fury were to beat Deontay Wilder considering all of his gallivanting the WWE and kind of appearing here there and everywhere if he were to let's say for argument's sake he beats Wilder twice next year what would I'm sick of talking about percentages but what would the split be for that would that be a 50-50 fight no I mean I,
1: you've got to understand none of these guys are earning as much as AJ but if they won't take the fight for the right split the only option you've got is to give them a split they almost don't deserve or walk away and we're at that point where we need the fight. So if he has to give him a 50-50, which commercially in a comer- fans might watch this and say, "Nah, it should be 50-50." And I can understand the argument, but I'm just telling you from a factual commercial point of view, no. But if that's what it takes to make it, then that's down to AJ and I wouldn't be surprised if he said, "Fair enough, let's just let's just get on with it." I'm not being funny. Like he's done all right, AJ, you know, like he's sort of it's only so much money you can earn. And, and really, he's about legacy. That's what drove him last night to victory.
0: What about your old mate, Gerald Miller? He posted something on Instagram yesterday. He said something about, you know, he wants the fight. Is that, is that realistic?
1: I would love to put Gerald Miller in fights. You know, like, Dillian White fight is a huge fight. AJ would love to fight him again. But I just feel, as I said before, I don't, I don't feel like I could work with him right now. I think he needs to have a fight or two and then, who knows what the future holds, but um, you know we, we, it's like with Andy Ruiz saying about the third fight. I can see possibly that happening in the future, but at the moment, when you look at the landscape, certainly not something that happens in 2020.
0: You mentioned Dillian White there. Obviously, he returned last night, laboured to a ten-round decision win over Marius Back. Having said that, given everything that's gone on in the last six months, it must have been good to get him back in the ring with a win under his belt.
1: Yeah, and he'd only had a few weeks. I mean, he was about a stone and a half overweight and actually it was a good fight. Like, Whack come to fight last night, and um, Dillian weren't really fit enough, but it was really important to get him out, and of course, <clears throat> 24 hours before, he got the news that you know, we all wanted, which was that he never failed a drugs test, and he was completely cleared and exonerated by UCAD. So that was almost like we were celebrating that, and I, I actually started thinking to myself, like, I'm looking at my posts about Dillian, it's like, shit, he's got a to fight tonight. And there were times, like, in the fight where I was thinking, all right, let's win, just nick a couple more rounds, please. And the 12th was a good round for him. Uh, sorry, 10th. Um, I thought it was all right. I thought it was quite a fun fight. And I thought it was really important for him because you don't want to miss... You know, he would have just boxed once in 2019. So it's good to get, get out twice, get a decent win, and then move on to a big year next year.
0: With that UCAD ruler, I wonder if you could just clarify for me... It was said that there was trace elements of a, of a substance found in his system. Explain to me the difference, if you can, between an adverse finding and quite quite a failed test. Are they two of the same? Is there is there a difference between the two? No, I
1: mean, I've only seen the statement which you've seen, but it's proven contamination. So there was no failed drugs test. So he never failed a drugs test. He never was suspended. He was cleared of all negligence. I mean, the the you'll never see a statement like that probably again. It was like absolute belt and braces. Not you failed a drugs test, but we you told us this happened and you know, it's okay. It was It's now ruled he never even failed a drugs test. It's that clinical with the evidence. So um, that's why people, and I've said before, like I went on a bit of a rant yesterday, but people really tried to fuck Dillian White. Like so, so dirty and I'll say, like, mainly Thomas Hauser from the boxing scene. I think it was disgraceful what he did. You know, he wrote an article which, you know, I will say was built... There, there were inaccuracies in the article, and I will say built mainly on hearsay. But he will say, no, it was all completely factual. OK, we'll see what's going to happen now, right? Because I don't see why people want to, like... Why would you want to do that to a man? Like, Why would you not let him go through the process so that we're not in a situation now where you really fucked his career by doing that without giving him a fair crack at a whip? Now he's had it, what are you gonna do about it now? You gonna apologize? No, because he'll say, well, I just wrote the story because that was the piece that was factual at the time. Yeah, but you went out on a limb to fuck him, you know? And and that don't sit right with me, and that don't sit right with Dillian White, and Dillian White will be dealing with that with, with those people and not just Thomas Hauser and Boxing Scene but many, many other outlets that have deliberately tried to ruin his career. And and when we're talking about the damages, I mean the damages are he was mandatory for the winner of Wilder Against Fury. Done. In writing. I mean, what are the WBC doing? You know, the WBC suspended a fighter that was not suspended by a testing agency, that was not suspended by the British Boxing Board of Control, that was not suspended or found guilty by their own testing agency that were testing him for the entire fighting camp, yet they want to suspend him and take away his mandatory position. The WBC <coughs> there's an issue with as well. So now, so you suspended him, now he, he's been proven he never even failed a drugs test right he's completely cleared of everything so what are you going to do you have to install him as the immediate mandatory for the winner of Wilder Fury you did it before and there's a major problem if you don't you know and Maurizio Suleiman's a good man he's a boxing man he has to deal with this and the fans have got to make sure like they did last time that we all put the pressure on him because it's not right and you know I just feel that there's so many like there's so many petty people in boxing, honestly, Rob. You wouldn't believe it. Like people that you people that I work with, people that benefit from me, people that make money from me or the zone, who on the backside try and fuck me and fuck the zone and fuck it. Like it's such a shitty business. And I know who they are. And sometimes I don't even tell them. Because I just know. But There was people working behind the scenes on this, oh yeah, yeah, trying to like feed people information, put this out, put this out about Dillian White. And I said all along, just wait, just please give him his chance. They would never ever have allowed him to fight if there wasn't evidence to support that. Now they've gone through the entire process and it's even better than, like the, the statement and the facts are even better than we knew, if you know what I mean. So, you know, and these people just say, oh we were just reporting facts, but you can't do that to people's lives. You know, he was the mandatory challenger for the winner you could have cost him a world title shot that's like seven, eight digits right so what right have you got to try and ruin a man's career without even knowing the facts and all this stuff is supposed to be confidential so if this was confidential this would have never even got out and it's not about all hiding stuff but this is a confidential process that would have been taken care of and he never would have failed a test there would have been nothing to report but instead, Dillian had to pull up with all this bullshit since the fight, and you know people talking and trying to stir up trouble. Um, but who broke the confidentiality? How did Thomas Hauser get the 90 or 85% of the facts that he did get? Where did it come from? And we want to know.
0: With regards to, I mean, I'm actually due to speak to Marissa next week, so we'll be asking him about Dillian's WBC uh, situation. With regards to Thomas House's article and the statement from UCAD, from what I've read of the statement of what I've read from Thomas House's articles, he claims that an adverse finding was taken. The only thing that he doesn't claim is, is contamination, which is what was released in the UCAD mm-hmm. statement. But from what I can see in the article, he claims an adverse finding yeah. due to two metabolites of, yeah. of steroids. So my,
1: my bigger concern is on that, as I said, there's probably 85, 90% were, were correct. But how have you got that information?
0: Is, is this then a confidentiality issue?
1: No, it's, it's an issue that... I've got an issue with Thomas Hauser because the way that it was written was, like, it was, there was no regard for the process. Do you know what I mean? It was like... And he had a pop at Matchroom. Oh, Matchroom, whoa, they're in trouble. They let a guy fight who had an adverse finding. No, we went through a process. But there was no real sort of explanation of the process, no respect for the process, no respect for us. And by the way, it's not just Thomas Hauser. It's many, many outlets that... are are, are in deep doodle right but this one particularly was the cause of the concern because Tom goes digging around the background but who's providing him with the information it's confidential information I don't know does he have to disclose that probably not he would just say well you know I've got my sources well done congratulations so you come out this big article what was where was the regard for well maybe they had a hearing he was going but maybe we should wait for the facts to come out. It wasn't. It was completely condemning Dillian White, basically. It was. Saying he's guilty, you know, this is what happened. And it made him look dreadful without really showing the true side of the story.
0: With regards to the reporting on it, though, does, does, is that not the responsibility of the media? I mean, particularly when you consider Jarrell Miller's incidents. But,
1: but it's the way it's, the, you know, you can't... What would, what would said, be the correct no way to, say, to report there was no on it? no way, Rob, where it was said, but he had a full hearing with NAPD... Uh, He went through the entire correct process, and he was found not—you know—ultimately not guilty. Was cleared to box. The process was followed. The British Boxing Board of Control were happy. It wasn't. It was just, oh yeah. And they found out, and it was just—it's the way it was written. So, so it's more of a wording issue and kind of the way it was portrayed. Yeah, but also, you can't. There's a reason for the confidentiality to go through this process. So, basically, what you're saying is, is. Dillian White was basically fucked, but that's just how the media works, because they just reported everyone presumed he was guilty and tough shit, because that's just what the media do. I'm not sure that's exactly what well, I said. Well, you just said, well, well, it's the media, isn't it? We've got to report stuff. Yeah, But in what, how you report it? You know, and basically what was reported was, he's guilty. And everybody reported it that way. Dillian White failed a drug test. No. You know... And now, he never failed a drugs test. So what are you gonna say now? Oh, no, sorry, I put that out. I shouldn't have said he failed a drugs test. He didn't.
0: Does this then shine a light on the fact that there does need to be uh, certainly a look at the procedure and how things are kind of kept under wraps or not kept under wraps well, as it was in the, this incident?
1: You've got, two, you've got the two testing agencies mainly that we work with that have got their advantages and their disadvantages. Varda, fantastic. They report generally to all the people involved in the process, which will be the two promoters, the teams, uh, the commission, etc., the governing bodies, but they can't ban you, which is a bit ridiculous, like, what's the point? And then you've got UCAD, which is confidential, which I'm not crazy on either, um, but they ban you, and they give very, very serious, strict bans. The confidentiality thing, if you're found guilty and you, you were actually cheating, I love the fact that it's not confidential. What we've found with the Dillian White case is is that I wish, really, that it was confidential because everything's been proven that he was completely not guilty and he never failed a drugs test. So I kind of wish that it did stay confidential because the, the, the pain and the suffering and the effect that it's had on his career has not been nice at all and it's bang out of order. But I would, you know, really, if you fail a test you know, with VADA and it come you know, it's reported. They don't leak it to the media. What happens is, as I told you in boxing, someone on that email phones up Thomas Hauser or someone on Dan Raphael and goes, Oh god, I've got this email here, so and so's failed a drugs test. So it works. So but it's not actually confidential with VADA. But they can't ban, which is ridiculous. Because no commission acknowledges VADA in the sense of a of an actual classified ban for, for a, a failed test if that makes sense so every commission's different there needs to be a universal blanket I wish Vardar could ban that's what I wish but they're just a voluntary testing agency
0: Final one on Dylan White uh, obviously he got the win last night against Marius Vac, and as you say it was on a short notice wasn't at his best is the plan for you moving forward then to get him straight back in the ring as soon as you can after the new year potentially shift a few pounds in between and try and get that match fitness back
1: yeah uh, no I'd, I'd like him just to fight the winner of Wilder Fury Yeah, just make that. Do what you said you would do, WBC, and move on.
0: Rest of the card. We're going to fly through this because I know you're very busy. Michael Hunter versus Alexander Pervetkin. Great fight, very close fight in some cases. Some people's opinion, controversial fight. How did you see
1: it? I sort of... It was one tough fight to score. And I hate saying this because I say it quite a lot. I had it a draw. (laughs) I just thought like... I I don't say I had it a draw because I was scoring it, but I was like, I don't really know what way this is going to go. Because... Hunter started like a train in the first round. Then Povetkin came back in the fight. I think the general feeling ringside was Hunter won it by a round or two. Didn't see many having Povetkin winning, but many had it a draw. Uh, tough fight to score. Good fight. You know, both got a good future, maybe even do it again. Is that realistic? They both said they will be up for, for doing the rematch. You expect to see that soon? Like you said, it was a good fight. Um, see what's out there for both guys. You know, lots of big fights for both.
0: Knockout win for Philip Hergovic. Yeah. Um, he said he's ready for anybody yeah. and anybody, yeah. anytime. Yeah. Uh, how far is he from challenging for World Honours?
1: I think he's good. I mean, that was a good win last night. And you could tell the look on Molina's face, who trained very hard. Like He's a, he's a beast and he's a problem. You know, Hergovic is a problem for the division. Still learning. Still a little bit raw at times, but he's had a great year. You know, uh, Washington, Mexico... Saudi Arabia, he's learned a lot. We look forward to some big fights for him next year.
0: And lastly, stoppage wins for your two floats, yeah, Diego really Pacheco is, yeah. and Hopi Price. Yeah. Um, how important is it and how beneficial will it be for them to box on such a big bill and score oh. such convincing knockouts? Although the Hopi Price stoppage was a little yeah. bit premature. Um,
1: don't forget Majidov as well, who boxed yeah. Tom Little, looked yeah. really good and respect to Tom Little as well, always comes to fight. Hopi and uh, Diego, it's so, it's so rewarding to see their faces you know, come out especially Diego, because he went on before the main event, you know, he's like, and he's such a good young fighter, you know, 18 years of age, Hopi Price is really good as well. I was talking about that stoppage earlier, like, he was getting pinged everywhere, that kid. He weren't overly hurt, but sometimes we all say, oh, it's too early, it's too early, like, he couldn't have won a second of a round, so maybe the ref saved him from a really bad knockout later on, or maybe not, you know. I feel like in a four round fight when there's not a huge amount on the line don't necessarily let a kid take un- unnecessary punishment you know for, for nothing so really pleased for them both got huge futures and you know it was just a great great night
0: final word on the Joshua Ruiz Miller New York Saudi Arabia adventure that we've been on these last six months how could you sum it up from, from having Jarrell Miller lined up to the Jarrell yeah. Miller failed test to the Ruiz upset to where we are now how do you sum up the last six months for Anthony, Joshua, Eddie Hearn, a match boxing?
1: Eventful. Ups. And I mean, it's, it's mad how things work out. You know, you're sitting there in uh, March, April, and you make the Jarrell Miller fight, MSG debut. Great, perfect fight, perfect guy. Josh is bang, bang up for it. You know, he started talking about his mum and all sorts. And then that falls through and you get a bit stuck and... You know, you go with Andy Ruiz and Josh sort of loses a bit of focus and interest and he's just sort of getting a bit pissed off with boxing, to be honest with you. Like, Wilder's talking shit, don't want to fight him. Now he's fighting this Ruiz guy. Everyone's saying he's fat and he ain't very good and, you know. And then he gets beat and, like, it just... It weren't even... Like, last night was a 50-50 fight. This weren't. You've got to understand, like, the, the catastrophic defeat that that was. And I probably went through a stage... In my life, where probably from the Ruiz, you know, or the Miller incident to the Joshua defeat to the Dillian White incident, which was probably like a two month period, it's only now when I look back on it, like I was pretty fucking miserable and down in the dumps, really. And I just get on with it, you know. So you'll never see me like moping around or, you know, but I was starting to question whether I actually wanted to do this anymore, to be honest with you, because I just like don't need this in my life. People fucking moaning at me. You know, it's just the stick and you just and although I sort of come out and I'm like yeah fuck everybody, like after a while it's like do you really need to do this you're away from your family like every week and you're just getting stick, people are moaning things are going wrong you're just becoming disillusioned with the sport a little bit and that's when you've got to get your nut down and say no no come on fucking you love doing this, this is everything you know so wise up give yourself a smack round the bollocks and say come on let's go to work and that's what we've done and that's why you know from the week after the Anthony Joshua fight I was on this rematch I didn't let them fuck us one inch they tried to be slippery they tried to get a load more money you know we put a court order out on them we were absolutely relentless to make sure this took place and then we came we got this deal which was just incredible in Saudi Arabia we got a load of stick for that Turns out to be probably the best thing we've ever done. And then we sit here closing into Christmas with a big smile on my face saying, weren't so bad after all, was it? So it just shows you that when you're going through a little bit, it's a tough time. People have a lot of fucking tougher times than me. But it's a tough time in anybody, you know, it's all relative, isn't it? You just got to keep your nut down, keep working, keep working hard, believe in the process and just have a plan and believe in it, trust in what you're doing. Don't listen to other people. Because if I listen to other people, mate, I probably listen to other people too much. I probably listen to, and it's my job to listen to the fans, but I probably listen to the criticism too much. People were saying to me, you know, when I, when I made the Andy Reese fight, before the fight, um, like, he can fight. Like, you should have just gone with, like, Trevor Bryan on Manuel Child, no disrespect to those guys. But no one cares. It's Joshua, isn't it? It's American debut, don't matter. I thought, you know what? We've got to have a proper fight. People, he's, he's going to start getting criticised. If he's not, if he doesn't continuously fight quality opposition, and then after the fight, it was like, "Oh, Hearn, you fucked up there. You ruined his career by picking that guy." I'm like, "No," I and then I started thinking, oh, "I know, AJ is much better than Andy Ruiz. Like, he, Andy Ruiz is a world-class fighter, but Joshua, for me, is the best heavyweight in the world. He shouldn't be losing to Ruiz." And I started thinking, "Was that actually a bad move?" And it wasn't. It's just that when he was focused, he won the fight easy, lost one round, and then but it's the sweetness of how he could have boxed Andy Ruiz, knocked him out in that third round, then boxed Kubrat Pulev, he's mandatory, in, I don't know, Millennium Stadium. And we'd be sitting in there and everyone going, when's he going to fight someone decent? Oh, he's doing this. Instead, he's got beat, almost humiliated at Madison Square Garden, knocked down four times, dusted himself down, come back and overcome the mental, you know, problem of getting beat like that to absolutely school the world champion in the Middle East. like It is so sweet, so sweet. And now it just makes you realise why you love this fucking sport so much. So that's just a note to yourself that when when things go a little bit tits up, and they will, could be next week. Could be fucking in two weeks. This game is full of problems. But you've just got to remember when the problems are there. Stay calm, stay focused, deal with them, and remember the good times are coming.
0: Got there in the end. Eddie Hearn, thanks very much for speaking to Boxing Social, not just this week, but throughout 2019. If I don't see you before Christmas, try and get some time with your family and see you in 2020. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Bye, mate. Cheers. Cheers.